Miller. On this week's episode of Tiger Turf Talk, we host Miss Maritza Martinez of the University of South Carolina. This is such an incredible podcast with such an enthusiastic young industry professional excited about what the future holds. Uh, we get to talk about her most recent work uh, with her mowing patterns that she's been working on on the baseball field down in South Carolina. Um, really unique work, awesome ideas, and really just understanding that it's all about what you're passionate about and what you're interested in. You know, uh, We get into all the different areas in which uh, she's seen what the grind is all about, what the love of this industry is. And she really dives into all these different aspects that we as sports field managers love to hear. Um, she has a very bright future in this industry with her passion for everything that's going on and her eagerness to learn and her eagerness to teach those what she learns. Uh, there's really no better recipe for success. And uh, we wish her nothing but the best moving forward. Uh, we're excited to see where she goes in this industry, and we really appreciate her taking the time. So definitely make sure you listen to this episode. It's one you don't want to miss, and it uh, was an honor to have her on. So we hope you enjoy this episode of Tiger Turf Talk. Good afternoon and welcome to the 75th episode of Tiger Turf Talk. I'm your host, Drew Miller, with your co-host, Sam Rui. Today we have on an incredible guest. We have Miss Maritza Martinez, the Grounds 2 Specialist from the University of South Carolina. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Oh, you know, it's uh, Northern Virginia likes to make weather however it feels like any given day. We have <laughs> 70 or 80 one day, and now it's like 30 out, snowing about 20 minutes to our west. So, Ooh. oh, you know, another another wonderful April up here in Northern Virginia. <laughs> um, I want to start off, obviously, uh, you've been doing a lot lately with uh, your mowing patterns, and Sam and I are big mowing pattern enthusiasts, so we've had a couple other enthusiasts on. Um, what has been sort of your inspiration this year to go big and really just show your passion about uh turf management you know so um once upon a time i actually wanted to be an artist growing up right um couldn't find a feasible way to kind of work that out fell in love with turf grass with what i was doing and kind of luckily figured out a way to do a little bit of both of my passions um but honestly my ideal like reasoning behind doing it was Last year, the grounds crew did the palmetto tree, you know, out in the outfield. And that was a huge reasoning behind me wanting to come to the University of South Carolina because I was like, if these guys are doing this, you know, they can point me in a really good direction. And I came down here and luckily uh, my uh, supervisor is Tim Flanagan. And I kind of presented to him. I was like, look, like this is kind of what I want to do. Do you think we can work it out? He said, most definitely do what you got to do. And he kind of <laughs> let me spread my wings and take it over from there. But thankfully, everything turned out pretty good. <laughs> I would say it turned out fantastic. The two patterns you've done this year have been insane and incredible, honestly. Um, now, Turf Specialist 2, could you sort of run us through what that role is? And I'm sure you have 15 different jobs at 15 different locations on campus. <laughs> but could you sort of talk about your role at South Carolina and how, again, you sort of had that draw because of those patterns that you saw beforehand and how it's going for you down there at uh, USC. Most definitely. Okay. So um, Clark Cox kind of designed the layout for how our crew uh, kind of targets certain things. Luckily, most university grounds crews, they target each sport together, right? Whereas Clark designed it where you have a supervisor of each sport and then my position, I'm directly under the supervisor. Um, luckily, my background is in baseball, but I got to dabble in football during football season, which was amazing because I learned more than I honestly thought I was going to. But with this baseball season starting and getting close to wrapping up, all of my time has been dedicated to Founders Park. Um, every morning, I start there every night I in there, you know, I don't, I don't see any other grass other than my baseball field and I'm a okay with it because I love baseball. <laughs> it is but, um, 
a lot of my responsibilities. So I like to say I kind of do as much as I can. I mean, all across the board. I go from mowing, infield. Uh, my primary responsibility is making sure the mound is 100% perfect to speculation because I learned to do it when I was with the Orioles. So I can get it to those fine specs. Um, mound work, home plate work, baselines, any infield work, any grass kind of work. I paint lawns, bullpens, anything I can do, I try to do. Luckily, we have a good setup. My direct supervisor at baseball, his name is Donnie Lindler. He's been there about 20 years. So he's like, I've seen it all. He can do it all. He's great with what he does. And luckily, um, during baseball season, we get the privilege of having Justin Scurry. He comes over from football. And between the three of us, man, I have to say, we keep it rocking, to say the least. I mean, we all challenge each other. We've all seen different aspects of sports turf. And when we sit down and talk about things, I mean, we're going to get it done. In some manner, we're going to get it done. <laughs> it's a common theme with sports managers. It's going to get done one way or the other, no matter <laughs> what the challenge is, no matter what the weather's doing that day. Mother Nature, we're going to win, you know. Oh, 100%. Um, yeah, for sure. So you mentioned you were with the Orioles, uh, and Nicole's a great friend of us, our program and everything. Um, what is your background in terms of sort of your journey, how you got to this point at South Carolina? Where did you start off school, anything like that? And how did you get to this point in your career? Yeah. Okay. So I was originally a biology major in undergrad and had zero idea what I wanted to do with that. You know, it's kind of, you either specialize or you're kind of floating. Um, so my last semester of undergrad, I kind of stressed out and I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. Um, luckily I started looking at the programs that my university provided. So I went to Abraham Baldwin Agricultural College, which is in South Georgia. Um, started looking at their program list. Well, I kind of stumbled across their turf grass program. I spoke to one of their professors. He kind of sold it for me. Um, snowball into that effect. I took my first internship with the Braves AAA affiliate, which are uh, the Gwinnett Stripers. And, oh, I fell in love with baseball all over. I mean, I kept getting warned, you know, this is your first job. Don't burn out. You know, you're trying to learn. These hours are crazy. And you, you keep that in the back of your mind. But every day I was like, wow, I'm having more and more fun. Don't get me wrong. I was exhausted. <laughs> I beat, beat. But it lit a fire under me. I loved it. And I couldn't get enough of it. So I went back to school, kept pursuing classes, ran across Nicole. Our paths crossed. She said, hey, come up here, come work for me. And that was a dream of mine. I mean, that's what I said my first internship was, if I had to pick somebody that I'd want to work with or work for, it would be Nicole. And I did. I mean, I got the luxury of doing it, went up there. I learned, I mean, I learned to the perfectionist detail of how to do a lot of things. I was pushed out of my comfort zone. I mean, I'm from South Georgia, you know, moving to Baltimore for a whole summer, mind blowing. Uh, went up there, loved what I did, and then luckily found my way to South Carolina, still loving what I do, thankfully. <laughs> Absolutely. Baltimore is a little bit different than pretty much anywhere south of it. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> even even our area, you know, in around DC, it's a little different, but uh no, that's awesome to hear. Um with everything that you've done, you know, obviously there's a journey that you take. Um, and you mentioned, Nicole, are there really any mentors of yours that you really uh, sort of contribute to, again, what you've done, how you've learned and how you're moving forward? Uh, you mentioned how you're going to be heading for a, a career day at a high school here on Thursday. Um, what has it been for you, again, sort of your journey and those mentors meant to you along the way? So, if I had to say anything about a great mentor, it's someone, anyone that has taken a moment to look at me and say, hey, I want to teach you this. I mean, you don't have to. This is a busy job. You know, we have enough to do. And you're taking the time out of your day to just talk to me, help me, teach me. 
that is my favorite thing about any mentor. You know, any anyone that I might cross paths with that might have a tidbit of knowledge, I am grateful. I mean, it, it literally will make my year. So I fall in love with that aspect, especially with the career and the people that are in it. Is so people are so willing to teach. I mean, in every aspect, whether it's work life balance, uh, fertilizer issues, you know, anything across the board. If you might have a question, there's someone that is willing to answer it and not give you any issues to you wanting to know why. So that's probably my favorite thing in regards to mentorship. I've been lucky enough that I've known Nicole for a little bit now and bless her heart. Anytime I reach out to her, I'm like, Hey, I'm having a small crisis. (laughs) Can I call you? Sure. Go ahead. And she's always been so willing to speak to me here though. I mean, I've had, I work with a great group of guys, every single one of them. Like I said, take the time. If I ever have a question, they're there to show me how to do it. If I, I could call one of them right now, you know, while I was me and you talking, Hey, I have this issue with this and they'd answer without a doubt. I mean, I can, I can count and rely on my guys and throughout my jobs, I've been lucky. I will say that word. I've been lucky enough to work with some great people that have just taken an interest in teaching. Now, right now with the job you have, uh, what is your, when you like it, when you wake up, what's your favorite part of the day? What do you look forward to with the job? What I look forward to. So I love what I do. I love every aspect of it. I know that kind of sounds like a really cliche aspect, but there's so many people in the world right now that just try to get through it a day, you know, and I'm waking up in the morning, loving the fact that I get to go do what I do. Um, I love being outside. I've always been an outdoorsy kid. Sadly, I did not play softball growing up. I played basketball indoors, kind of taboo that people don't say. But I think just having the freedom that I get to wake up, I get to challenge my brain in every aspect. I get to challenge my body physically. I get to meet some of the greatest kids. I mean, some of the guys on USC's baseball teams are the kindest, most helpful people. I mean, really, across the board, I love my staff. I love where I'm at. I just – I really can't complain about any aspect. So, just to pinpoint a favorite that I have when I wake up in the morning, it's hard to say because I love what I'm doing, and I'm very fortunate for that. So earlier we were talking about your Twitter and there's a lot of unique mowing designs on there that me and Miller were talking about earlier. And so I was wondering where you get your inspiration for some of those designs. Um, so I like to challenge myself. I'm competitive by nature. And sadly, um, a lot of my hand, mostly I did my SC out in the outfield a couple weeks back and it didn't exactly turn out the way that I wanted it to, which kind of bummed me out. So I was like, okay, I've got to do something better than that. <laughs> and I thought about doing our spurs up symbol, which is what I ended up doing and kept going back and forth. Cause it was like, it's going to be really difficult. Like it's going to be a lot. And we're getting into our hot season where our field is currently overseeded with perennial ryegrass. So it's a little more stressed, a little more high stakes. We were into the thick of our season. And I was like, I don't know, kind of talking myself out of it until one day I was like, no, I want to do it. Uh, So I talked to my boss and he said, okay, let's go for it. Figure it out and go for it. So I guess my ideas is just trying to be better than my last week's self, my yesterday's self, you know, my hour self trying to compete with myself. <laughs> when, you, when you get these in your head, can you take us through the process and your thought process through taking that picture and like putting it on the ground? Or take- Emma, I think you muted yourself somehow. <laughs> uh, it kind of like faded away. Oh, did it? There he is. Eh? <laughs> I don't know where I cut off, so I'll just start over. (laughs) Thank you, Sam. (laughs) Yes. So when you get these designs in your head and you've completed the thought, like, can you take us through the physical process? Like, 
how you decide to put it into the grass? Like, yeah, are you out uh, there with like brooms and stuff? Is <laughs> it hard work? So the SC, um, it was a lot more tight corners because it was smaller. And when I say smaller, it's kind of sad because it was 60 foot by 60 foot. That doesn't seem that small. But on a broad scale, you know, looking at the field overhead, it's, it turned out small. So that one, luckily, we had um, our baseball logo. We had a stencil that was close to the size, right? We found the center of the field, took it out there, laid it down, and we dotted spray paint just around it. And it was partially broomed, right? Well, this, my hand, I was like, I need to make it bigger. You know, if I want to be able to see it, it needs to be bigger. These are tighter spaces, a lot more detail in a hand. So if you've ever drawn a hand, you have to exaggerate certain points of it, right? To make it look right. Hands are very, very difficult. Artists say they're some of the hardest things to draw. So I was like, okay, that's going to be a really big challenge. Well, I went out, realized I kind of wanted to do a circle around it, thought and toyed with the idea, went out there, put a 90-foot circle out in the center of our field, and went from there. What ended up going about with the hand was, I was like, okay, it's got to be big. I did one that did not turn out good. I mean, it didn't. And Clark, my boss, might kill me, but we replaced a piece of sod in our center field from one of our position players. And the original hand that I put in looked like it was shooting a bird because that piece of sod just happened to fall right on the second finger of my hand. And I hadn't noticed. So I said, okay, well, there's only one thing that I can do. I can either make it bigger or completely get rid of the circle. I wanted to keep the circle, so I had to get bigger. I would have just left it. I think it would have been a good joke. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sadly, I wouldn't be telling you guys that I'm a groundskeeper for the University of South Carolina. (laughs) They're not that mean, are they? (laughs) I don't know, but I didn't want to find out. (laughs) That's true. Very true. So I I decided to make it bigger. Um, I think the dimensions ended up being 90 by 85 foot for the whole hand. Um, And that took me pulling a center line through my 90 foot string and then doing 10 foot by 10 foot grid boxes with string and nails all the way across it, which took me forever. I held up a piece of paper with the hand on it and literally walked out the hand until I thought it kind of looked decent and tweaked it from there. Just trying to get it uh proportional really the pinky and the thumb that was where the hardest parts lied for me but it was completely mowed um the sc was broomed but the hand was completely mowed and it was a challenge to say the least i did it with the real mower so that was 10 miles a day between my day work and then figuring out my hand so just a lot of paying attention to where i was uh, shifting colors like the leaf blade, you got to turn it a certain way to make it shine right, right? So I had to almost manipulate the leaf blade to get it bright enough on one side, dark enough on the other, kind of get in fades to try to even get like the slightest bit of shadow, you know, to a finger. A lot of outside thinking. I can't tell you how many times I stood in the center field just holding my hand like this and looking at the grass, looking at my hand. People thought I was crazy, I imagine, but it seemed to have turned out pretty well. I, I think I think you did a great job with all the. Thank you. Know, you. Somebody, <laughs> I, I'd be doing the same thing. I'd be like, "Yep, mm-hmm, no, nope, <laughs> my hand's a little bit fatter than that, but we're gonna roll with that." Um, <laughs> obviously, I know it, it takes a lot of passion and what uh, to get to this point and really have such a, a want to do good. You know, with again. You pretty much have said it's free-handed, which is awesome and <laughs> sort of a pun if we got that one. But um, <laughs> thank you, thank you very much. Um, with that, um, where did your passion sort of root? You know, you talked about how you sort of stumbled upon it, and I can't tell you how many people stumble upon turf grass. It's hilarious how to <laughs> all the different stories you hear about. Oh, I stumbled on it here. I found it here. What was it that kept you coming back? You know, you talked about the long days with the Gwinnett Stripers and really the grind that goes into that. What was it that was really instilled the passion for you to continue on to 
this point in your career? So it definitely is a grind and I would not shy away from telling people that. Um, when I was in my biology degree, right, I have this memory, this core memory that sticks out in my brain of when I learned like step by step photosynthesis. And I'm not talking about what you learn in like middle school, high school. I'm talking you learn every single aspect of it. And I remember getting home from that class, walking outside and just thinking, wow, all of this is going around me. And I had no idea. All of these things are living and breathing. No idea. So if I were to give you a tour of my house right now, I have way too many plants to even be comfortable. <laughs> I love plants. I love that. I just, I don't know. I love plants. And the idea you can go that through the I, cycle, if you want, ETC, Nabisco, <laughs> all that, you know, we teach that. Dude, I can courses. get you to it right now. Just so you know, <laughs> um, the idea that I get to walk out on a living, breathing thing every day and be responsible for, I mean, I could do one stupid move and kill the entire thing. And it's awful to say that, but it's the realization. Actually, um, to quote Tim, my boss, and I love this quote because it gives me a little more uh, understanding. He's, he likes to say, you're not a head guy. You're not a superintendent unless you've killed grass. And it, it's always the funniest thing to me. He was like, it happens. What you need to know is how to move on from that. And every day that I walk out on the field that I get to work at, whether it was in Gwinnett, in Baltimore, here, I remind myself I'm on something that I like to think that's so fragile, but can take so much of a beating, but at the same time look beautiful, but at the same time is so functional. I mean, what other job are you getting a scenario like that where you get to be fully outside, you get to be in sports, you get to be enjoying the day, working hard, you get to see results. I mean, half the time you get to see things like fast, you know, depending on what you're doing. It's essentially, if you can look for beauty, you can find beauty in this job. And that's satisfying enough for me. I get to look around and fall in love with where I'm at every time I open my eyes. So really awesome. It's also a good thing that Bermuda is a real son of a bitch, you know? Yeah. It's always <laughs> helpful. Um, sort of going into that, um, let's talk about your field, you know, your baby. Let's talk about uh, makeup type of uh, Bermuda, what you're dealing with. Um, collegiate seasons, I, I find they're really different compared to minor league and professional. You know, when you're talking about your, your days off, uh, you really don't have those like 10 day away stands. You know, they're actually in town practicing on the field around, you know, there's not really time to really set a real schedule like okay well we have 10 days let's do this this and this <laughs> it's really hey you have three hours this day four hours that day and what <clears throat> what is it that you're focusing on how are you really taking care of your turf uh when it comes to in season and really i mean it looks immaculate after uh, it's probably been five 50 games already for you guys at home so um what has it been like for you and what are you guys focusing on yeah so you're exactly right um College baseball is a different kind of beast. Like you said, there's practices, events. I mean, when I started here, we had a 5K that wrapped up on the field, and I was like, whoa, you know, it's kind of random. Um, luckily, I work with some pretty great guys that know, I mean, that know what they're doing. And that's pretty fortunate, to say the least for me, because in every aspect, you have someone that has almost an expertise. Um, I a lot of places have that we're fortunate enough that we do <clears throat> so above else like the crew that I work with they're a huge factor in the fact that our field looks the way that it does I mean it's not a single person there's a big puzzle piece like we all work together hand in hand and do it so above all else and you know just knowing that it's not one person but as far as practices and go practices and events and everything like that happens, you're exactly right. It's we have a few hours, maybe in the morning. Our guys like to come out at two o'clock. So it's hit running. You know, early in the morning we get there, we get going, we try to plan out. Like today, uh, we kind of got washed out. We had a lot of rain. Couldn't really get out on the field, but we had every intention to shave our field down to half an inch today. 
Well, we couldn't. You know, it's a little wet. It didn't stop raining until after lunch. So it got pushed back. Well, the guys have practice. So we have to work around practice and shaving and we have to punch and fertilize and so on and so on. But it's really just, you know, having a really good open dialogue with our team, um, our guys on our crew, having people that are knowledgeable enough to say, hey, you know, we have this timeline for this. We're going to shoot for this day. We're going to have to be this efficient with how we do it. And we don't really have a choice but to get it done, so let's do it. So in regards to battling schedule, it's mostly, I think, just having a good enough crew with everyone understanding, everyone willing to do what they've got to do to get it done. And fortunately enough, the guys that I work with are. And have you seen your cultural practices change since you've got there? Uh, yeah, so... Um, the first field I ever worked on and the majority of my undergraduate degree was on Bermuda grass, right? Uh, then I went to Baltimore, which is Kentucky bluegrass, cool season grass, totally different monster, but amazing to learn from. And then down here before season, we were Bermuda grass. Then we got seeded into perennial ryegrass. So we're essentially a cool season grass for our baseball season, which a lot of people don't, don't actually know that. Um, so yeah, my cultural practices, they've taken like a whole different swing because I'm, I'm getting to learn how do you maintain a cool season grass in a warm season climate? You know, you learn, you have no choice but to learn. And like I said, it goes back to working with people that are so knowledgeable and willing to teach. And I have that. So what type of uh, Bermuda are you guys working with? And has that changed? What have you heard uh, since your time and maybe a little before how the cultivar that you guys are working with uh, at South Carolina? We're four, 419 right now. Um, and we'll be back to 419 directly after us getting rid of our perennial ryegrass. But I mean, it's great. No issues. We have, we go through summer ball, our field, takes a lot more of a beating than, you know, a, we'll say minor league, major league, et cetera, like moving around because we have summer ball, we have camps, then we roll into fall ball, fall baseball immediately after that. Then we roll into practices and then straight into the season. And it's, it's almost year round that we have someone out on the field working. You know, there's always someone on the grass. There's always someone beating up the grass there's heat and then there's snow and sleet and rain and it gets beat up, but this 419 keeps coming back. It looked great when I got here. I'm sure when we get rid of the pretty ryegrass, it's going to look just as great. <laughs> That's good to hear. Uh, and I, I'm always curious because a lot of different people uh, across sort of the Southeast, there's a uh, sort of a wave when it comes to, because 419 I know does well deeper South, you know, so I didn't know if it was, uh, something you guys had there. So it's really cool to hear. Um, with that, um, you sort of talked about the events and everything. How do you and the crew keep up with, again, so many different things. Summer camps are probably the most annoying thing ever. Um, but how are you guys sort of keeping up with those things and how maybe are there any practices that you try and, um, reduce in a sense? Um, like I I'm hoping that they don't make you pack mounds for summer camps and whatnot. Are you guys putting mats out stuff like that where you can like reduce in a sense, the amount of labor for again, no offense to high school kids. I teach them. I love them, but they suck when they come into a facility and destroy things. So um, <laughs> is there anything that you guys are doing to sort of combat those things that again, so many events that it's going to drive everyone insane when it comes to the field crew. <laughs> so there are definitely ways to combat, you know, having to repair a mount four times a day. Right. But a lot of it ends up boiling down to what the coaching staff wants. And you kind of appeal to that, you know, you can plead your case, explain a little bit. And you, most of the time they'll work with you. Um, so I haven't been here through summer ball yet but I know that they have a series of mats and uh, different things they lay on the mound and home plate our pregame and stuff we have two mats I keep a mat on my pitcher's mound just because when I repair it I literally repair it to the minute detail so it's a little hard 
we had a couple relief pitchers a couple weeks ago. The coaches were trying to get their arms warm. And I got it. You know, I understood it. They wanted to throw to live pitching. Well, they can only do that on the field. That's the point of the mound. You know, they need it. So that was that was a learning curve in itself, you know, having to repair it so many times. But after talking back and forth with them, we got it figured out. Luckily, I figured out my strategy. You know, they kind of let me know a little more ahead of time. Again, that open line of communication, right? So other than mats and stuff, that's just you got to let it be. You have to know how to repair it when it gets a little torn up and I've sadly heard it say, well, it's a baseball field. It's supposed to be used, you know. Um, sometimes that's true. And that's what we get hired to do is, you know. I would, I would pull up my phone. I would look up South Carolina baseball schedule. <laughs> and I'd be like, those are the times that my field's used, okay? Don't come <laughs> talk to me otherwise. <laughs> the field is roped off otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's lasers around everything. You cross it. <laughs> Everything blows up. Um, <laughs> so you sort of hinted at this a couple of times. Uh, working relationships are really important. And it's something that I try and get my kids to really understand that beyond the turf grass, beyond knowing what to do uh, when it comes to uh, machine operations, stuff like that. One of the biggest things that a lot of people really undermine in the sense of education is just understanding how to properly communicate, understand how to work with people understand what's a respectable way of responding to someone who has no idea what they're talking about, which most of the people (laughs) I'm sure you deal with have no idea what they're talking about when it comes to your field. What has it been like for you developing these relationships with your coaches? Obviously you said some of the players are the greatest guys, you know, Um, what has it been like developing those relationships uh, that again are beneficial to you in the end slash, maybe some way helpful in the overall scheme of things. Yeah. So in regards to like open communication with coaches, I was fortunate when I started here, uh, I can remember when I met my head coach, coach Mark Kingston, I was out dragging the infield for one of their practices. I'd been out working the majority of the day and he took the time. He walked down from his office, walked out on the field, walked all the way out to me and said, I'd like to introduce myself. I'm very happy that you're here. And I mean, that was a key moment that stood out to me because he didn't have to take the time to do that. You know, like he didn't have to speak to me at all, sadly enough, but he didn't, but he did. And that stuck out to me. I was like, wow, this is great. And then moving forward, he made sure that he took the time with all of his new players. He told them before practice, be at this time. And he went through and he introduced every single person in our background for the grounds crew. So his guys would know what we did, who we are. And, and if they needed to talk to any of us, if we needed to talk to any one of them, the line of communication was open. And it was as simple as that, you know, just an introduction. Them saying like, my guys are great. I'll say that every day, my ball players are great. They never shop anytime we're out there and they come by us. Hey, things are looking great. Thank you for what you do. Simple. Um, so keeping that communication open with your coach and your coaching staff, your players, they don't know the exact detail, you know, that you have to get to. They don't know the long hours. They're focused on we have to play and we have to be good. They have their hardships and we have ours. So talking to them, keeping them open, teaching them like, hey, you know, this is what this takes it builds a level of respect. I respect them for the fact that they respect me and vice versa. So you really, like, I think that's the most misunderstood thing that might be in our practice currently is communication with, because I mean, really we're working hand in hand. We're building the field for them to play on, but also if they didn't completely blow a hole in the center of it, you know, it makes it easier for us and talking to them just explaining situations makes a world of a difference. Now there are sometimes that they can't help what they do. And if I'm shaving my field down to half an inch, maybe uh, certain practices that you guys want to do won't work, you know, and it's just one of those things that we talk back and forth about and try to keep it open. Absolutely. I think that's so cool. You know, especially 
sort of the my my thing in those situations is the prestige of that program is already like again world series champions like they've done their time like they have paid their dues and the fact that he did that is so cool um my time at virginia tech i didn't know anyone and (laughs) the coach was very honed in on him and his players and we were in his way if we were doing something wrong and i'm like okay well and this isn't the guy there now i've heard he's fantastic so nobody go out (laughs) i swear um I just laugh because like I had a better relationship with Frank Beamer than the coach that nobody knows his name now because he's no longer in baseball. So (laughs) when we're talking about all these things, it's like maybe if we approached things differently, it would end better, you know? And I I also appreciate how you talked about working hand in hand, you know, Um, something that I'm a big sort of believer in and what I think our industry needs terribly is some appreciation in a sense from those that benefit from our work you know when we talk about like uh people making millions and millions of dollars the first line of defense is the field manager no matter what kind of field it is no matter where we're at you're putting your investment on a field hey guess what those field managers are the ones ensuring that your players are safe your investment is safe i wish people sort of saw things like that a little bit more and i think for what, from what you said that your coach does a really good job of that, which is awesome to hear. Um, what has been some of your favorite uh, memories from the industry? You know, there are so many different things that go wrong, go right, go <laughs> sideways, you know? Um, what are some of your favorite memories working in the industry? I, and again, I know it's been a short time, but I, I mean, you have a very bright future ahead and um, what are you, what have you enjoyed so far? What are the craziest maybe your favorite, maybe the craziest, maybe the worst, you know, uh, experience you've had. (laughs) I've had some really awesome experiences. Actually, I've met a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot of people. Um, Actually, I like to tell people, I went to my first SFMA meeting um, this year, actually. And I almost, I like to say that I got passed around kind of like COVID. You know, I met so many people that I didn't think I'd meet. So one of my favorite things is just the people in itself. Uh, I love the people that are in this industry because they're great. But I have great memories and awful memories, you know, exhaustion, so on and so on. Actually, my first internship, I was driving home from work and blew my radiator out on the side of an Atlanta interstate. And if anyone's been to Atlanta, they know it's absolutely awful. I sat on the side of the road for like six hours, uh, right? Went and got another car, borrowed a car from family. Two weeks later, after blowing up my radiator, someone rear-ended me, and I hit someone else and blew that radiator up. So two radiators in two weeks. Um, So that is a long story. Somehow didn't ruin my love of what I'm doing. (laughs) That that could have been enough, though. (laughs) Um, I've had moments that are almost magical, and that's just the word for it. Um... There was one moment over the summer when I was in Baltimore, we had rain coming in. I mean, it was, you could look up and you could see it. It was there. And Nicole kept telling the umpire, hey, we have rain. You know, we need to put this harp on. We're going to try to play a little bit longer. So we had to assemble out behind the tarp, right? And this is, this is game time. So we're all out there hunkered down, you know, like all you could see is our eyes above the tarp and did they send you back was that was that this so that was the second time that they did it and i was actually here when they sent them back so we got away with it once (laughs) but we're like sitting behind the tarp we're watching and just the atmosphere of sitting on the field during a game was just completely just mind-blowing but then you have the adrenaline because it's like well we're we're about to push the tarp We're sitting there and the slightest bit of rain starts. And I can vividly remember it. I'm sitting here telling you about it. I can see it. We're sitting there and all you see is the rain coming across the field that you spent so many hours working on and everything looks perfect. The game's going, the lights are on. It's every baseball fan's like perfect idea of what they could ever have, you know, being on the field. And I was lucky enough that I got to have it. Now we did put the tarp on and it was a lot and we all got dumped on. But other than that, just, I mean, a key memory that I will honestly keep. But if you want to hear a funnier one, 
Let's go. If you've seen on Twitter, I have a funny so, one to go off yours too. So go oh, ahead. deal. So many people have had issues with their couplers behind the pitcher's mound, right? I, that's I've seen one every single week, and it's hoping and praying that it does not happen to us. But there was one day um, I had just watered the infield. And we have a student, his name's Jackson, and he's trying to learn. He's great. Don't let the, don't let the student touch it. That's I know. I, I said, Jackson, turn the coupler off. Take it slow. He didn't take it slow. I turn around, and all I see is just this guys are shooting up. And he's not moving. It's just spraying up his entire body. And he's just, I guess, taking it like a champ or he's stunned. I'm not sure. But what felt like five minutes of solid just water spraying this man probably was just a few seconds because I think just maybe a pebble or something got caught in it and flushed out. But that's one of the funnier moments. And I I say this a lot. I'm like, I wish I would have thought about pulling my camera out because that would have just been the most epic picture ever because he's just standing there and this guy's just shooting straight up his body. But I still laugh. I mean, laugh about that now. Ugh. Yeah, so my funny one. Oh, <laughs> oh dear lord. Uh, so I used to work for the Mets, uh, and you might have seen this like uh, five years ago, six ish years ago. Uh, we had had a rain delay for like oh, it was like an hour and a half, and it was a it was a day game, so we were getting off early. Everybody was excited. Hour and a half in the eighth inning, get it off. It is heavy. I mean, there is just water everywhere. Yep. And we are like, okay, we're going to finish this game. We're going to go home. It's going to be great. We weren't even tarping after the game. That was the big, that was the big thing. Okay. Cause that never <laughs> happens. It's always tarped. Um, and uh, you can ask Sam. I actually use this in class. I show the video. I don't know why I do this, but um, <laughs> we are, it's the ninth inning. Uh, Jerry's Familia, who has had no blown saves so far in the year. This was his good year. I know there's been bad ones since then, but the closer <laughs> for the Mets, two strikes, sec- two outs. There's literally one pitch, and this cell just comes out of nowhere, and it know. just starts pouring. And I'm like, if he does not get him out, we are screwed because the umpires are like, we are finishing this. We are not going to like worry about this rain. So by the time the pitch is thrown, there is standing water on the infield. Not like bad or anything. It's not going to injure anyone. It just doesn't look good. Right. And the Mets are up a run and there's a runner on first. And the batter hit a home run. <laughs> So he's rounding the bases and we're running out to the tarp and we get it out there and we can't, we can't pull the tarp because there's so much water from when we were just like running it out. So then we proceeded for an hour and a half fumbling with the tarp. (laughs) I mean, it was like a lake by the time we got the tarp on the field. It was not, it was not pretty, you know, you can, Sam, Sam, you remember the video, right? Yeah, it was quite funny, and I don't know why he shows it in class. He couldn't. We would never know about it. Because now I'm gonna have to look it up. Important to understand the challenge, Sam. Okay, <laughs> it's important to understand. Okay, this could be you guys one day. <laughs> exactly. You can be crying yes. while your boss is trying. We had this bubble. Oh my gosh, Matt Brown. He's with the Pirates now. He is literally like scaling it right in front of me. And it was funny. I got so many texts from people like, you were on ESPN, you were on ESPN. Because we were like number one on not top 10. And I'm sitting here and I watch it back and it keeps zooming in on me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> zoom in on the fat guy. They can't move the tarp. This is great. Let's let's just keep doing this. So I come in the next day and the security guards, what's up, Hollywood? I'm like, shut up. I swear. Oh, Hollywood. <laughs> I was like, I <laughs> this is like, again, Game was supposed to be over at like three o'clock, and we were there until seven. It was not a fun. Oh, four. We put a pallet on the field and then took the pallet off afterwards. It was fun times. Yeah, always good, always good. Um, with everything, you know, there's a lot going on with again crazy things like this. Uh, I mean, what whatever it is. Uh, you talked about SFMA. It's your first conference, right? 
Did I lose you? You there? Hey, now you're back. Sorry. <laughs> you talked about SFMA and how it was your first conference, right? This year? Right. SFMA, first of all. Well, it's still hard for me to understand, but uh, <laughs> what was that experience like for you? You obviously talked about you met a lot of people. Um, what did you enjoy most about your first one? You know, I've been going since... Oh God, I don't even know. Uh, five years now, but <laughs> it's always different. There's always new stuff. What was it for you uh, getting to go for the first time? What did you enjoy about it? What were your takeaways? Yeah, so <clears throat> I loved it. Mostly because there were so many people that would come up to me and just be willing to like talk to me. I was just, because growing up, I was actually very shy, right? And it was kind of like, well, this isn't going to get me anywhere. So I have to break out of my shell a little bit. But having people so willing to just come up and speak, you know, hey, how's it going? So on and so on. And being able to meet these people that are like top tier in our industry. And, hey, you know, you know who I am? What? <laughs> I know who you are. How do you know who I am? It was kind of like a culture shock kind of thing. But people just giving advice. That was my favorite thing to ask. It's like, okay, you know, you were once in my position and I know you asked someone else this that were that was higher up than you. I was like, so what, what advice can you give me? You know, how can I be you one day essentially? And I got some great answers across the board. I mean, people wanted to give advice. They were happy about it and they were happy that I was asking. So meeting the people that are successful in this industry and them giving me advice on how to be successful because I've worked with some pretty successful people luckily you know I've, I've aligned myself pretty well in that regard but people are just kind and people are willing in this industry and I, I tell people that that are contemplating coming into it and they're like well I don't know because I don't know this and I said I guarantee I don't know half of what a lot of people know but when people are so willing to teach you what you don't know, I said, why wouldn't you consider coming into it? You know, any other, any other job profession, you kind of get not judged, but critiqued on what you do and don't know. And this one, people are like, okay, you don't know how to do it. Let me show you how to, here we go. And I love that. And I got the experience and taste of that while being at SFMA, because people are just so personal, like personable here. And you just can't beat that. But other than that, I mean, I learned a lot in classes. Actually, I sat in on the painting seminar that uh, Josh Lenz had spoken on about their de decals and stuff that they do on their uh, football fields at ASU. And that was one thing that sparked my interest with wanting to do my design here because I was like, oh, he's got it figured out. If he can paint it, you know, I could probably mow it. Ooh, that was a lot. But, hey, it worked out. So just like the opportunity to learn in every aspect, you know, networking above all else, you can't beat it. You have a whole building full of all these people that are so high up in this industry and they're like, hey, let's talk. Let's go for a drink. Let's go to dinner. And it was a wild weekend of meeting a ton of people and learning as much as I could. <laughs> yeah, and it was my first one as well. And uh, I find that to be very unique to this industry, how nice everyone is and willing to share they are. And being such a unique industry, do you, what are your future aspirations for yourself in the industry? So um, I don't have an exact like arrow of where I want to shoot for at the moment. Um, the jobs that I've taken have been prim like primarily baseball, but with taking this job at USC currently, I've been able to expand, you know, my reach a little bit more. I've gotten to do a little bit of, or a lot of football. Let me say that a lot of football, a little bit of softball, you know, trying to broaden my horizons. But as far as moving forward, I have no idea what sport I might end up in. I don't know where I might end up. Um, all I do know is that I would like to extend the courtesy that I've been given from people that are higher up than me. I would like to learn as much as I can so that when I'm in their position, hopefully I can extend that same courtesy to someone that would end up in my position where I'm at now. You know, I would like to be that nice person. That's like, Hey, let me teach you how to do this. Hey, let me introduce you to so-and-so because I think you guys would get along and you could work together. I want to 
make an influence of some sort to younger generations coming up in turf grass management. We love to hear that, you know, especially with our program and what we're trying to do with it. Um, so we appreciate that. <laughs> um, baseball, obviously, you love it and everything. Uh, would you be intrigued to go back to minor league baseball or the professional stage? Or are you enjoying college and that sort of aspect behind it um, when it comes to your work? And or is it just sort of, hey, where the wind takes me, that's where I'm going? <laughs> Um, I would love to go back to minor league or major league baseball. So my goal before I graduated undergrad was I kind of wanted a taste of all the way up from college, minor league to major league. And when COVID happened, I didn't think that I'd be able to do it. But luckily, you know, things got worked out and my school was flexible with that. So I did. And having experienced all three, they're great in all different ways, like across the board. Great. Um, so I would be happy to end up in any scenario that I could. And I don't know that a lot of people would actually say that. Um, but I do. I love where I'm at with the university. I love what I do here. But I also I love the challenge of minor league baseball because, you know, you don't have much staff. You don't have huge budgets. And you're working a ton. And it's a love in itself, but also major league, you know, you're getting everything to almost perfection level while having to maintain so many other things as well. So I kind of watch for opportunities and, you know, I, I talk it through with some of these mentors that I've been fortunate enough to have throughout my career so far. And it's short little time, but I, I like to look for advice from people that have gone through it. Like, Hey, do you think this would be a good move for me? Because I'm kind of thinking about it. Yes or no. Um, currently, I'm thinking about graduate school. So just another one of those tools to try to get me to learn as much as I can to hopefully uh, extend that knowledge to someone younger than me. So who knows? I guess I might answer that with wherever the wind might blow me. <laughs> <laughs> You got to love school. I will tell you that I'm working on my thesis right now and it's the fourth time I've redone it. So, Oh, wow. Make sure you love school. because <laughs> It can be difficult from time to time. Um, but yeah. no, that's awesome to hear. Um, we wrap up the show with these last two questions and uh, I'm always interested to see where people's heads are at because they're like you said, you stumbled upon it. There are so many different people and their stories are so different. Um, and again, you being young in this industry and everything that's going on, um, what is something that you wish you knew going into it and why nothing, it doesn't have to be like may anything better. It's just something maybe that you wanted to know going into it and helpful in the sense of, okay, this is, would have been helpful or this would have been good to know, or maybe it's just something about your journey, you know? Yeah. So something that I like to tell which like you said, like I'm not too far along in my career. So what I like to tell people that are, you know, just starting their turf program or so on. Um, when I started, I shied away from networking. Not that I didn't want to. It's kind of scary. You know, these are the big dogs and it's kind of like nerve wracking. Like, do I talk to them? Do I reach out to them? No, no, I can't. I wish I would have done more of that. I wish when I started out, that I would have reached out and been like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm starting out. Can you help me? Because so many people are willing like, Hey, yeah, come work with me. I'll teach you what I know. Like, why not? Um, I wish I would have done a little bit more of that starting out, but luckily like this industry, people are so willing to talk and teach and get to know you and network and introduce you that it didn't take long for me to dive into it. <laughs> I mean, head first dive into it. But had I had those, you know, two, three extra years that I was doing my undergrad, I think I'm not going to say that I would be farther along because that's just not the case. You know, you work and that's how you get an understanding and a learning basis and your foundation for who you're going to be as a turf management. And that only comes from actual application of working. So I think it would have just helped me more in the networking, you know, but other than that, I just say reach out because why not? You know, they're probably not going to say no, but if they do, okay, you move on to the next person on your list and they're probably going to be more willing. Why not? 
last question that we always ask people in is um, if you had advice to young turf managers such as yourself in this case, what would that advice be? People who like want to go into the industry and follow your footsteps. Okay. So networking, of course, like uh, I think I've harped on that throughout the entire interview time, right? Um, but it's simple. I think, I think it's simple. It's my one rule that I really live by is push yourself to be better than you were. Like, okay, yesterday you didn't know how to turn on a real mower, right? But you learned today you do. So go mow, you know, okay, well maybe your lines aren't straight next day, straighten them up. I mean, just simple like that. Every day, push yourself to be a little better than you were. And one day you're going to look back and be like, wow, when did, when did I turn out to be pretty decent turf manager? <laughs> Easy things like that, like being self-motivated. You know, it's, it's a big industry. It's a lot of hours. It's a lot of hard work. And let's be honest, like if you're not pushing yourself, no one else has the energy to really push you. So Trust in yourself. Trust in what you're doing. If you don't know how to do something, ask because people are so willing to teach, like I said. And I will I will say that for the rest of my career. People are so willing to teach. And don't be scared to ask. They'd rather you know, you know, and they'd rather you stop and ask them than something get messed up. And the best advice that I was given, Nicole told me multiple times, you know, it's all just grass and dirt in some scenario, which some soil scientists will be offended, you know, at the fact that I said dirt. But above all else, you know, you're working with and under people that have enough knowledge and background understanding that if something is messed up, that they can probably fix it, right? And you can find some some little bit of comfort in that. So if you ask you know you find out if you don't ask and something gets messed up figure out a way that next time you won't and that just goes back to you know asking and learning and trying to be better than your previous self it's all about motivation whether you motivate yourself or you don't whether you get up every day trying to be better whether you sit down and hey you know maybe this blog post wasn't the most entertaining thing in the world but what did I learn from it a lot application matters just trying to be better uh, again that, right now in our world and where everyone's at you know post covid that is so beyond true about the need to motivate and the understanding that there are so many things that go on around you that if you put your mind to it you can be successful you can move forward you can be better you know and that's what i that's that's what I aim to teach my kids. You can ask Sam, uh, the end of the year is a little rough because they're all kind of not motivated, a little senior writers, <laughs> right, Sam? Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're really good at responding, Sam. That's not really not going to deny that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but, but it's always uh, fun. And again, Sam, Sam will be the biggest advocate about this for him and his peers. There's a lot, there's a lot of need for motivation and a lot of need for self-awareness, you know? Uh, so I really appreciate you saying that and the significance it has for kids these days, even adults, really, you know, it's, it's getting to that point where a lot of adults are starting to lose that motivation and that drive, you know, mm -hmm. um, but I wanted to say thank you so much for taking the time today. This has been amazing. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time. Well, thank you for having me. Of I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope I answered your questions okay. <laughs> oh, no, you were great. It was awesome. You did great. No, for sure. And again, I my thing, like you said, there's always somebody smart. Like people are uh, at SFMA were saying, it's like, oh, it's great. What are you doing? I'm like, I, I just talk, you know, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> It's not that great. You know, I, just, <laughs> I asked some questions and hopefully somebody learned from something. Um, no, seriously, you're doing great. Like, I can't even, I mean, if I could even extend a thank you for what you're doing with so many like generations of younger people, putting them into the industry with a love and a passion that I see you doing. Listen, if I ever hire one of your kids, I will call you and tell you thank you because I have zero doubt that they're not going to be great. Cause I like, it's, it's obvious to see how much you care and love what you do. Like, well, like what you do and your students and just pursuing that. And 
it's great. And I don't think people could really thank you enough. So take your thank yous. You deserve them. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. <laughs> you can have Sam. Sam, I'll strip Sam out next week. <laughs> FedEx takes people that big, right, Sam? All right. Okay. I'll look <laughs> out for him. <laughs> thank you again. We really appreciate it. Thank you all. I appreciate it.